quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics with a paranormal podcast that has a little tinker under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. Yes, we are. And uh, every week we try and bring something different into the discussion, something that may or may not have uh, sort of far-reaching consequences for how we understand uh, life, the universe, science and everything. And this week I've invited a guest on to talk to us about something that has uh, intrigued me for a long time uh, and it's electronic voice phenomena, EVP, uh, kind of made popular by the film, uh, well the film franchise I suppose it is, White Noise. But the idea is that on... Uh, tapes on uh, recording devices, uh, video cameras, uh, one can pick up voices saying things. Now, this has um, been popularised even more so on paranormal shows in recent years, I think, by people using what they call spirit boxes. So those are the devices that you might see on any of the ghost hunting shows, to be fair where what you've got is a kind of a radio device which does a sweep scan of all right. the frequencies and then people hear or supposedly hear noises through them. They're a bit... Are they, they always seem a bit scammy to me. Are they a bit right. scammy? Right, yeah, I, I agree. I think that that could be uh, a perfect case of pareidolia, to be honest. Uh, pareidolia right. Right. meaning, uh, for anyone that hasn't heard that phrase, that is um, the propensity of the human brain to try and find patterns in in noises very similar to uh, like staring at a cloud and seeing yeah. a dog or a shoe or whatever in the cloud. Yeah. Um, but there are people who claim to have recorded uh, very specific sounds that definitely do sound like human speech on right. various different uh, devices. So not necessarily through these boxes, just no, 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 no. They've yeah. they've like any sort of recording device, yeah. and and also alongside that, um, something that I wasn't familiar with, but um, in the preliminary chat, our guest told me about, and we're going to speak more about. It's not just human voices; there are mechanical sounds come right. through as well. Right. And and I suppose the thing that separates uh, those things from uh, the spirit boxes is that they're, they're captured um, without any knowledge of what is on the tape at the time. So you have to kind of play it back and, and listen. But the, the sort of the curious thing is um, it's the how did... If it is that, how did it get on the tape? If it is an active spirit putting a voice on a tape how is it doing it if we can't hear it and is it somehow changing um the recording medium directly yeah how's um, it getting on there how's it getting on there and that changes i think how we think about what um a spirit might possibly be because it reminds me. It reminds me a little bit of the episode we did. An episode called uh, Vardika and the Banshees, mm. and ba and Banshees are a bit like that, aren't they? A, they're an audible phenomenon rather than a, a, a physical form or something you can see at least. Um, but also, there was a thing of only the people that it related to could hear them. Yeah, there seems to be little similarities in there. You know, we've not always had the ability to record audio so you know is it it'd be again the history of it's quite interesting yeah that's right that's right and if it's so that's the the thing that i really struggle with is that um tape machines well let's include wax recording devices as well yeah so let's say we're going back 150 years so that's a really really short amount of time and that means that at some point if a spirit or an entity, whatever it is, is trying to uh, put its voice onto that device. Not only did it have to wait all that time for something to be developed that it could put its right. voice through on, but then it has to keep up with modern technology. So 150 years ago, it's manipulating um, <laughs> a, some sort of, sort of vibrating device attached yeah. to a needle. Yeah. These days, it's got to go inside. Now I've got to learn code. I can't believe it. Exactly. You've <laughs> got to. You've got. Well, you've got to 
uh, manipulate, I suppose, some kind of flash RAM in inside, let's say, an iPhone. And that seems to be that would like if if they everything must hate streaming, right? They must... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Spotify, Spotify is killing, you know. <laughs> EVPs. Paranormal audio, <laughs> EVPs, yeah. But it, it's it's an extraordinary thing that if um, if they've been waiting to send a message, if you're, let's say, a farmer from the 17th yeah. century, like if if their consciousness is kind of s- sort of contained within that uh, that being a farmer from the 17th century. Surely it's quite a big leap to go, oh, I'm going to tinker around inside this tape machine or, yeah. or, or hard, hard drive recorder just to say a couple of words. And I was going to say, a lot, a lot of these um, recordings, people don't actually hear them at the time that no. they're making the recording, right? No, so no, that's they don't, an, no. That's an interesting question for our guest. I mean, how does that work if you can't? You can't audibly hear it at the time you record it, but it's there afterwards. You know, technically, I don't know how that's possible, but it'd be, yeah, that's probably something we might want to explore with our guest as well. Yeah. So I guess background is kind of paranormal research, but specialising in EVPs. Would that be a good way of describing him? Uh, yes, yeah, so he's a parapsychologist. He runs two websites in the UK, one dedicated to general... Uh, paranormal researcher we'll put all the links in the uh social media uh and and another one dedicated to uh evp and uh i know that he's going to talk about how he also thinks it could be perhaps called enp electronic noise phenomena because it isn't entirely uh rooted in just human voices so um animals machinery they all come they all come through as well before um, before we bring him on, Ben, he's working on a very interesting current investigation. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. So I had a chat with Tony before uh, today, and he told me he's right in the middle of a investigation in Chester, which has been slowed down a bit by the current lockdown situation. But he's been putting kit in and out of what I understand is a commercial office building. And some of the topics of EVP, uh, I think he will definitely reference some of the things that he's found in this Chester investigation. This so, is the thing you, you sent me a couple of video links to. There's some really interesting yeah, that's stuff right. on there. Yeah, right. okay, yeah. that one. So he's, he's going to, I think, talk about some of the um, bangs, raps, and potentially voices that he's picked up at this location. Uh, so that being said, let's introduce Tony Hayes, parapsychologist. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Tony. Maybe you could just explain to our audience um, just broadly what it is that you do and how you became interested in the phenomena that we'll just call EVP for now, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem, Sal. Well, I, this is, I'm in my 31st year now of investigating um that goes back to 1989 when i dealt with my first case and ever since then um i've always been involved with music music related recording i'm a guitarist anyway and what i began to discover was through accidental noises voices which i couldn't explain it really shouldn't have been in the recording people used to say you know, is it cross traffic from taxis, baby alarms, that type of thing? I thought, well, it can't be. And then when I started to investigate it, probably in about 2002, the, the sort of the industry had put it right into the paranormal field, particularly by the, the words of uh, electronic voice phenomena. It's a word that I particularly don't like, don't like because I know full well you can record other phenomena with it. Uh, so sound may have been a better description. What then happened is that I formulated the EVP website because I realised that most, vast majority of the ghost hunter or the paranormal investigator have no real experience with recording audio, analysing audio, getting the best out of the recording, and as, as well as debunking. It's very easy 
to lock onto something that this is an electronic voice and then to discover later that it's not the case. And then uh, we formulated Paranormal Investigation UK, runs alongside EVP UK with my two colleagues, Andy Draper um, and uh, Griffiths, both parapsychologists as well. We're not ghost hunters. We move between the paranormal investigator in the paranormal, in the parapsychology, which is more of an in-depth understanding rather than being locked into just ghosts and spirits. So, so the very first time you encountered this, you weren't you weren't looking for hidden noises in that were being recorded. You were recording music, and then this started coming through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes you get knocks, raps, which I couldn't explain. You put you put it down to particularly the voices. Voices are found strange because it, it sounded like uh, people in another room. And when I looked into it early days, you, you speak to the people that make the the recorders because you think it's something wrong with it. And it's well, it could be the magnetic tapes that worn or the magnetic heads or Adam demagnetizers. But the problem. Was still there and then when I spoke to other colleagues involved with recording in particular they were experiencing the same phenomena well there must be a reason why this is occurring and when we moved from tapes to digital the same thing occurred it was still happening and uh when we were uh talking before this interview you said that um when you'd started looking into it you discovered that some fairly salubrious names in the music industry had discovered this even before you. Yeah, the it's quite the, as far as EVP in the, in the UK is concerned or worldwide. There's a guy by the name of um, Constantine Rantiv. He wrote this book, Breakthrough. Yeah, this came out in 1971 together with a he got a record with it with EVPs. So he was looked upon as the grandfather of uh, EVP. However, I've always had a keen interest in, um, and I got fascinated with a guy, a British uh, record uh, publisher by the name of Joe Meek. Joe Meek had four number one hits. He was like the British version of the Spilt Spectre. So this is a highly successful music publisher. Within his studio, he had the likes of David Bowie, Bosch Stewart, Richie Blackmore, Jimmy Page, all the mainstay new musicians coming into it. So he had quite a, a good uh, musical stable there. What then happened, strangely, uh, was that he started to, as people walk into a studio, uh, his rule was do not talk in the studio under any circumstances. I believe we're being recorded by RCA or some of the other uh, sort of recording studios. He sort of got in his head that the studio was being recorded for some reason. Later on, he then started to get a tape record and go into cemeteries in the early hours, recording endless hours of nothing whatsoever. And why did he connect the two together between some now thinking that somebody was recording, bugging his recording studio, to the fact that he then went out with, with recording software into cemeteries and the likes. For what reason? I believe that uh, Joe Meek did what I did 20 years later, was recorded stuff which he couldn't explain. There was no, in 1958, 1960, there was no script for it. If you had something on your tape, you're going to be suspicious. Considering Joe Meek knew more about recording than anyone else, the Beatles approached him. He was doing sound sampling a decade before Sgt Pepper and the Beatles. Clever guy. I believe that he was one that was researching uh, electronic voice phenomena, but didn't understand it because this is right in its infancy. So, quantitative uh, 1971 maybe, took it on a different level, but certainly Joe Meek... Uh, the evidence suggests that he was involved or was trying to research and understand it. Could you give it? You you talked a, uh, a little bit a while back about you know obviously not all of these things are genuine EVPs. Some of them can be explained away. Could you talk? Could you talk about some of the 
some of the things that are not paranormal, how they might occur and kind of what percentage of those would be misidentified as an EVP. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, you've, you've got your standard little recorder, such as this, little Olympus there. You've got out and you've captured something in a supposedly haunted building. Well, what the, the diff, there were a number of things that people slip up with, with uh, when they uh, investigate a capture. So let's presume there's a voice on there. Now, the thing is with the recorders, they haven't got selected hearing. We are. A recorder can hear stuff that we can't either. So if you're in a particular noisy environment, for example, don't believe for a second that just because it's on here, you should have heard it. So it may well be a voice, contamination from outside the building, another room, that type of thing. The other one with it as well uh, is that as well as hearing sound, you can actually see it. And uh, the main reason that the, the website EVP UK was set up was to be a tutorial to try and ex get investigators to analyse the audio better and make sure that uh, you are reporting the phenomena correctly and not misdiagnosing. For example, I can properly conclusively show that a genuine EVP still communicates within the voice frequency of, say, between 700, 600 hertz to about 1,000 hertz, 900 hertz, around that area. It's always there. If it was 3,000 hertz, it's something else. It's not a, not a human form. So a spirit appears to communicate within the human spectrum. Some people say a spirit, if, if you know, the things that do exist, can manipulate frequency. I don't buy that one. I think that's just a, an attempt to make something fit. So if it isn't in the frequency. So a good example would be, uh, we dealt with a case three, four or five years ago, uh, Friday night, half past nine, guy gets in contact. I've got something on my uh, phone. Well, they see one thing. One is like light anomalies. I avoid the word spirit orb, light anomalies. And the second one, is towards the end, is a women's, woman screaming, clearly in some form of distress. He said he didn't hear it at the time. Now, from our point of view, we're concerned because there may be a safeguarding issue there. Have we got a woman that's in distress? I quickly, um, we got onto it straight away, mainly because of the severity of this one. We, can, we completely uh, excluded the, the light anomalies. That was just airborne dust. As far as they want to put it into frequency, it was about three and a half thousand hertz. It's miles away from human spectrum. So I, can, I was confident to say that that's not a human. It did sound like a, a woman's scream, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a woman that was doing it. We have thousands of samples, and it didn't take me long to find out what it was, an urban fox. Put it right. a fox out side by side, it was absolutely identical. So that resolved the issue. If that had gone to another someone else and they just simply reviewed it, then they said, that's a woman's scream. It's a spirit or whatever. And it wasn't, it was a fox. Um, guys, delighted, we're happy. There was a woman in distress. And that was another one that was certainly not uh, paranormal. And you come across them quite often. So, And if... If you're going to put a percentage on it, the kind of ones that you think may be paranormal versus these misidentified, what, what's the kind of percentage of the misidentified, would you say? It's quite low as far as misidentified. I'd say 30%. I wouldn't okay. say it was more than that. So out of 10, three will be have may have rational reasons. The, the, the problem with the remaining 70% is although a human's spoken it, we can't actually say if it's a spirit connection there, because all you know is, yeah, a human spoke that word, but is it a spirit that said it, or is it recorded from contamination? People underestimate the power of microphones in particular. They can pick up uh, other, you know, outside contamination, which our ears didn't hear. 
And so one way I suppose that uh, one might get closer to being able to say that this is definitely like an active spirit communication would be if the voices that you got made sense to the situation it said somebody's name or it said something directly in response to a question that wasn't a general question does does that come up frequently does that situation arise sometimes it seems to be completely random there's no and the problem is is because you can't hear an evp because an evp is you cannot hear it at the time the recording was taken if you can hear it, that's disembodied, that's something completely different. But you don't hear it. So I'm having a conversation, can you give me your name? I don't know what the answer is. I then ask another question. My next question may be completely irrelevant to the uh, EVP that, that, that's there. So it's quite difficult to have the intelligent conversation taking place. But we have had some quite remarkable um, EVPs one a couple of years ago in a notorious public house called The Leopard in Stoke-on-Trent. And uh, my colleague, Andy Draper, was doing an EVP session. I was next to him. And when we'd finished, he just simply said, thank you for your time. A uh, bit of respect there. Uh, we'll be back later. Clearly, a woman's voice within a second answers. Um, let's have a little listen to that. We'll be back soon. <laughs> We'll be back soon. Hmm. That appeared to be an intelligent response to uh, a, a question. And I also did it out. Uh, are you familiar with the um, well-known medium, Jackie Dennison of Rescue Mediums? Uh, yes, yes. The TV show then, kind of, I was... I've done a lot of work with uh, Jackie Dennison and I was over in a, quite an old medieval hall called Wincham Hall near Northwich, Cheshire. And as I was doing, is doing EVP, 30-minute recording of the seance that was taking place. And nothing really happened at the night. And, and there with my notepad, there's nothing, apart from the medium that spoke and one woman that said she was feeling ill, the following day, as I'm listening back to the audio, clearly at quarter two in the morning is a, a young girl, 10, 12 years of age, saying, does anyone want to come out and play? And in a jovial, does anyone want to come out to play? There is accents there. then thinking is this residual is it haunting or is it some form of spirit activity and when i listened to the recording a few minutes later clearly uh one of the women guests that were on this table of 12 she said she was feeling ill when the medium said are you okay so well i feel like i'm gonna feel uh, be sick clearly this girl then begins to laugh in the same tone and voice is the earlier EVP. So that then moved it from residual to, well, this is a spirit, genuine spirit contact here because the two were the same. And she she's laughing because of the woman saying that she feels sick. Uh, oh, it's going to be sick. Could you just explain for us the difference between residual and, and, and a haunting? Yeah. <clears throat> I'll class a haunting or a ghost is residual. It's don't take theory, right? So it's like a rec it's some kind of uh, recording in yeah okay a playback, time being played back, um, full sound. What I do notice for the EVP as well, quite an important one for other investigators to if they're not already realised, is that when you get you you recording, I often find if it's a genuine EVP of a spirit communication that the tempo is much faster than what we will normally speak at so you will get for example if i was going to be saying uh motor car it would be motor car motor car you slow it down my default is 70 percent and it seems to be in then your normal speech sort of tempo why that is i've never been able to understand 
but it's sometimes quite ha helpful when you then begin to deal with, with which what you suspect to be a residual ghost haunting. They will, it's ne never, the tempo is always exactly the same as human speech. And they seem to be able to put together full sentences rather than just one or maybe two words. So there is a difference between the two, uh, as long as you can, um, you've got the equipment to analyse it properly. So, um, in terms of uh, you, what you were saying about the frequency of the human voice being consistent, is that true whether it is a residual or whether it's a active spirit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in all cases, I've dealt with thousands, literally thousands, and I'm not exaggerating with that. Um, dealt with three this morning, six yesterday. It's always in that frequency. To me, it's always the tester that you, you hear something because you're familiar with the term paradolia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've always got that sort of debate. And I dealt with Amanda Griffiths, my colleague, over um, an EVP that she'd uh, recorded in Stoke-on-Trent. When I heard it, to me, it sounded like um, Derek. But when Amanda listened to it, she said it sounds like thank you. Well, that's completely two different words. You know, one's got two syllables. And I think, well... Why is it that we're both getting, we're not as if it's close. It's a Derek and thank you, completely two different uh, things. So you, you, that, that can be a problem um, because you're limited to what you can do with analysing and enhancement anyway. You can't make a, a silk purse out of a sour's ear. Um, are you aware that the, the EVPs get graded from A to B, C, D? Are you familiar with that bit? No, no. Could you explain that, please? Yeah, well, yeah, you, you, it was an American researcher came up with the idea of classification for EVPs. Uh, a class A will be no enhancement required, maybe just small amounts of volume levels just to need to increase. Very clearly heard. So if I were to say Benjamin, it would, it would be clear is that class A. Class B is a slight deterioration from that. The, the words may not be, might be slightly fuzzy, uh, may need gradual improvement, and obviously keeps going down to the point that it can, it can, might not be. We don't deal with anything unless it's a type A or B. If it's into C class, it's, you know, you can't make it any better. And is that down to the recording equipment or is that down to the 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 message itself I, I think it's both of them to be honest with you um the main weapon is this one which is which is a roland r26 now this one got four microphones on <clears throat> the end two directional two omni so the microphones will look at either 360 or 90 degrees the idea that i decided to use this device was that my belief was, if I point at that in the centre of a room and a spirit spoke via EVP, I should be able, one of the microphones would be stronger in level than the others. That was the logic. That was proved to be completely inaccurate. So so oh, really? you, you were trying to triangulate the sound, discover whereabouts it was coming from. Okay. And so what happened? Uh, it was on all of them, all microphones. Right. So it's only got a recording device. So that completely, uh, I thought, well, obviously, it's not coming from a particular direction. I, I used this numerous times to try and just see if there's any basis for that theory. The other interesting point is, let's presume I've got two Olympuses there, both of them. I put both of them down, press record, and I get an EVP. I can be fairly guaranteed you it will only be on one recorder. It won't be on both of them. So that's another good way of knowing that you're dealing with a spiritual electronic voice phenomena and not a disembodied voice where it would be picked up by both recorders. Does that so make sense? It does. Yeah. But that tells us something about the manipulation that's going on, right? Yeah, yeah. So how, like, how do you think these get on the machines? Because it's not via... 
because okay so for anybody that isn't familiar with microphones microphones work by picking up the vibrations in the air which is what our eardrums hear as sound and that gets turned into a analog or digital signal that you can then replay what you've got there you've got two devices close to each other they should both be hearing the same thing if it's an air vibration if it's sound but so that means that there is something going on which is different to just speaking through a microphone absolutely yeah why and how it's able to do that is the big question mark um sometimes we've had three recording devices either cameras uh, as well as digital audio recorders only one of them will pick up sometimes we pick it up on the cctv not on the recorders so that is another way of actually saying well how does this arrive so there must be some form of energy transfer that has to take place because you know i've heard all sorts of strange theories uh but you're absolutely right ben that how, how does it able to manipulate where because end of the day a spirit doesn't have a mechanical device to make the noise anyway uh when it's communicating with you, why is it it's always in the human spectrum? You would have thought something that was synthetically produced maybe all over the place, different figures, but it always seems to be within the, the, the normal human spectrum. And an interesting one is that there's quite a well-known American researcher. She is uh, likes the old tape, you know, the old cassette taping. Mm-hmm. The, the microphones have been um, removed. So all she's got in there when she pressed record is just the recording uh, drive, really. There's no microphone that's been disconnected. Wow. And I have come across that when a, on a, a few occasions where people brought in recorders that have been doctored and just simply had the microphones removed, yet he's still picking it up. So it seems to be... I don't think there's any great importance thrown on the microphone, although... Uh, I have, uh, on three occasions, uh, encountered microphone strike. Could you explain that to our listeners, what microphone strike is? Some sort of contact, if it's a spirit or whatever it's been, where there's direct smack. And it leaves a very distinctive trace on the uh, when you're actually looking through a spectrum analyzer. So like the, wave, the waveform looks... Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to what would happen if a, if a singer caught the microphone with the teeth. Right. Can I go back to your, you were talking about having, say, two or three recorders at the same time and one of them picking up something and the other two not. Is that just, you know, noises or have you picked up voices that have only recorded on one recorder? Great question. Glad you covered this. It's not just voices. It's other stuff as well. Give you a prime example. The big case that we're dealing with now in Chester Um because of lockdown, we just have to throw equipment in there rather than physically be there to investigate it. So we've got three cameras, CCTV cameras in there, one, two, and three. Uh, we're getting raps and knocks, bangs, voices, uh, all strains, what sounded like a barking dog a couple of nights ago, shuffling. Yeah. Only one of the cameras is picking them up. And we're talking about a room of probably no more than 34 square. It's only small office space, which is predominantly where all this activity seems to be focused. And we've got the three cameras in each three of the corners. One will pick them up, the other two don't. Because they will work off sound as well as sight, changes in the environment that way. So you can get all sorts of stuff. And uh, I found the wraps and bands quite interesting because what I'm noticing if if for example I've got a pen and I drop it when you look when you actually look at the uh, spectrum you get like a, an even spread of frequency what we're noticing is in the case where we suspect some form of paranormal involvement it's more like a pyramid no spread of frequency whatsoever this particular case is Ben's aware of Initially, it was having problems with balls being thrown off. Now, you would have said, well, it's fell off vibration, natural, rational reasons for it. So the ball goes off. When it actually hits the floor, I've got, I think it's eight or nine samples of that frequency. 
when he pushed the ball off himself on a couple of occasions and analyzed it, the frequency is completely different. So it's almost as if, okay, I'll use the words, the spirits knock the ball off. You would have thought that's its job done. It's just flipped the ball off and it's, that's, it's finished. But it appears to be, because the ball, when it hits the floor, the frequency is completely changed. All this resonance that you normally would get with this ball hitting a solid wall, it's disappeared. It's not there. Is that, is that be, would that be because it's, it's falling slower because something's interacting with it, or is it just complete? It's a different sound from a different spectrum. Yeah, it's, the, the difference in it is massive. And we've done a series of tests now, I think we've done six or seven tests in the building, uh, trying to test out the theory. And what we're noticing is that no matter where this ball falls, and we're still getting ball, ball falls now, the frequency is pyramid. There's no resonance spread whatsoever. It's almost as if something's cushioned it, which then puts the ball falls into straight into the paranormal area because at the end of the day, we've tried pushing the balls, it, um, trying to duplicate the environment identically, and he's done a good job doing that. You can't replicate that sound in that way. No. That's fascinating, yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with voices. When you get a voice, when you talk, uh, normally in the room, you get this... You know, they'll spread a frequency, spread over, you know, a few, few hundred hertz. With the EVPs, it's not. Mm. There's this very distinct little section, almost the point on a 31-band EQ. It's just two bands of it. So something's certainly going... John Fraser, who wrote quite an interesting book, this has just come out now. If you're interested in the Chester case and the poltergeist, you've got to get this. This is the updated version. He's uh, SP, a fellow SPR member. He's did some work as regard to frequencies, not just in voice, because the, they've analysed the SPR. Got the, and are you familiar with the Enfield poltergeist case? They've yep. got over a thousand hours of audio recordings of the, the voice, how it's beginning to evolve and change. And it was John Fraser himself who gave me the idea that we, we do need to look into the frequencies, if it's voices or, or raps and not, a lot more carefully. And it's a lot more common than I, let, I think a lot of people would prescribe to. And when I did the survey with me two colleagues, we said, well, how many cases do we get when someone's reporting a haunting or a spirit uh, going rampaging in the house? They often report knocks, bangs, and raps, as well as voices. And it's actually more common and more prevalent than what I think any of us probably realise. That's the most common phenomenon. Mm. Um, the question is, we've got something like 64 raps and bangs recorded, is, is on recorded devices. How many of them have EVP? How many are disembodied? How many are direct spirit contact? We simply don't know. I'm still fascinated by the the two or three recorders going at the same time and picking up only one picking up voices and stuff because you know I could I could understand it you know cynics might say well there's something going on there on one recorder or there's some malfunction but if you've got if you've got two or three at the same time and only one of them is picking up the sound that's that that's not technically possible is it or it shouldn't be no not in the strength of sound it's um this chester case uh when the ccv alarms uh because of lockdown the, the, the business people put a load of cameras in there because it's concerned over security and this is when these events started to occur so what we get is a movie of a minute segment in total there's over 145 separate events within it the amount of evidence that's coming through on this place is off the scale. I've never, ever seen anything like it. Yesterday, we got the three cameras. The presumption was that this ball lit up and therefore the other two cameras reacted to it at the same time. That was not the case. What you hear, what when you actually... Because they're all time stamps, so I can tell which camera alarm first. And camera two... After about seven or eight seconds, 
is a very distinct rap knock sound. The other two cameras haven't yet alarmed. 15 seconds later, the ball then lights up and them two cameras pick it up. So only this camera picked up the noise, which triggered it. And it's, it's solid, it's, it was incredibly loud. I'm thinking, well, if I'm in a room, I would probably hear that upstairs. Why haven't the other two cameras picked it up? Baffling. And the, the beauty about that one is it's all evidence up, all three videos are available. In fact, they're on the YouTube now, they're all been processed, so they're there to look at. So this, just to go on with things that are um, uh, non-human that have been recorded, uh, I know um, before the recording we spoke about you You picked up the sound of a grandfather clock, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's Well, years ago that was a real interesting one. Um, it was an empty building, it was an old manor house, it's scheduled to get pulled down, Um and they couple me, uh, some female friends of mine at the bottom of the stairs, just sat there, they were yapping, these two girls. They had the recorder. And the place was completely, had no empty of everything. There's nothing there. Then the following day, you listen back, because it's about 17 minutes in total. And what you hear is tick-tock, tick-tock. That's a grandfather clock. Next thing is, it's like a male sort of drifts in. Then, a, then he drifts away and there's a female comes through. Then there's other noises, what sounded like, like um, it's difficult to sound. I would say it's almost like a train going past type of effect. Then the clock starts again. Fascinating to listen to. So you sometimes build this, you know, because with it you're allowed to imagine, you know, let your mind go wild. <clears throat> it's almost as if you sat there and somehow this time stamp has been projected back in in, t- in time periods because that one with the uh, grandfather clock that that was there for maybe twenty seconds disappeared then it's replaced by something else so I think it was a genuine genuine haunting residual energy involved and it's these snippets of time that seem to be replayed back nothing visual whatsoever just all audio. But we didn't hear it at the time. You see, so anyway, it's just EVP. Maybe, um, maybe we could have a listen to that now. So, so in terms of those sounds, so again, a cynic would say, well, maybe they were kind of ambient sounds that are around anywhere else, but there was there was nothing that could have made those sounds, no? Absolutely not, no. Um, most of the the only stuff that like we have where we authenticate is you can't trust anything unless you've done it yourself. Yeah, I'm always I've got to be careful with stuff that gets sent to us because you can doctor pictures, you can audio, movies, do whatever. You've got to be absolutely, totally careful. You can look at the metadata of something that we do. We have ways and means of analysing it just to make sure that there isn't fraud because fraud is all over. We we were talking earlier, uh, just before you came on, uh, and we were were talking about, I think they're called spirit spirit boxes, and you know, we we were both very skeptical about those. Are we right to be skeptical about those being used in paranormal research? Yeah, we only use them 
when we did the public events, because people watch ghost, uh, ghost Adventures. They've seen a muse and they want to come along and have a play with one. I, un I understand and get that. But they make such a racket that they destroy other recording uh, that you've got taking place. However, I think we've got three of these things. Um, and we did a... Um, uh, it was like a Halloween night. I uh, got invited in by the Wednesday Arms, the Robinson's Brewery invited us in. So we take these SP7s with us. And what was incredible is they swore. I won't say the words on here. <laughs> but these things often blind several times on hmm. through. Which then began because people have often said about the spirit boxes, you know, we use SB7s and we've got SB11, uh, that it's contamination, radio bleed, that type of thing. And yeah, okay. But no radio station would be effort and blinding uh, over the air. It just wouldn't happen. So how is it getting there? And some of the responses were quite intelligent. So that was only a couple of years ago. Up to that point, I was completely negative. I'm, I'm more open-minded now. Yeah, like to, to go back to what you were saying about pareidolia, that's what it felt like to me because the interpretation of the sound... Um, it just seemed it was so open to like subjective opinion of the person listening that it didn't provide any proof at all. No, we, the, all you hear is this awful noise, this white noise, continuous with words being jumped in. Um, I, people, you know, I've sat there, fascinated where the you may have a dozen people in the room. They'll all interpret differently. Someone gives them an idea what it is. Oh yes, yeah, that's right. That's what it means. Well, yeah. So I'm de I'm, I'm open minded. I think you've got to be uh, rather than being completely anti. It. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm open minded. Um, apart from the rest of it, because uh, we're seeing a huge increase in equipment now sales, haven't we? Yeah. The industry yeah. something like four billion pounds. Uh, paranormal industry in the United States, four billion pound on ticket sales, equipment, you know, because a lot of the stuff that we have, such as FB7, the obvious series of devices, all American built. It's a big industry, you know, if you will. So, and I'm not convinced some of it works. I've got any, any sort of logical concept that it will ever work, to be honest. So if, if somebody was curious and wanted to have a go themselves what what could somebody do if they just wanted to experience something like this if you genuinely want to research you can get a, a, a simple digital recorder for 20 25 pounds you know the, a little bit more if you can afford it the key bit with the record is something I forgot to mention is that when you go into the option, set it for the uncompressed format, such as WAV, WAVE, not for MP3. You know, uh, always set them up for the uncompressed format audio. If spirits genuinely exist, there've got to be some form of energy of some sort. And if it's energy involved, surely it can be measured. And you know, we have had some interesting results by simple EMF meter. You can pick one of them up for 25, 30 pounds. That'll combine with the temperature read built in with it. Because you really do need more than just the recorder. Okay? You need the recorder. I think everyone carries a mobile phone because an interesting... Are you familiar with the, the American series, uh, Ghost Adventures? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it has some actually fairness to them. They have quite a science uh, logic behind it. They've uh, documented numerous times when they do an EVP of seeing a white anomaly enter the device then shortly exit it sometime later. The suggestion being that, that is the form of the way that the EVP is arriving onto the recorder. Well, so it's almost going into the machine to record, right? I've seen at least a dozen of uh, captures done by that team. And, you know, they're generally new enough. And you do actually see the, the light anomaly enter the device. I've seen it go with the ghost boxes as well. And then it, it seems to exit. And then when we listen back to the recorder, this um, voice has been in there. 
it's an energy involved, and I, I think here, particularly temperatures and EMAG, uh, the two going together, I think, uh, are quite useful. And you know, and if yeah, we were saying that if somebody wanted to try this out. Is there, is there any kind of warning we need to put on that? You know, since you've started doing this, do you feel that you, you're attracting more kind of paranormal activity or, or you know, spirits or something? Or could, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Is, is the act of getting involved with it, does it draw more of it to you, would you say? No. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, colleague Annie Draper, I haven't got a spiritual sense in my cell in my body. Right. Uh, I go in places, I'm not fearful of the dark anyway, but I don't feel or sense absolutely anything. Um, if a big, dirty, great big demon one is in the room, he'd, he'd have to come and walk and talk to me because I wouldn't feel it. Now, my colleague um, Amanda Griffiths, now she is. So if a medium said to me, I feel the energy of a, a male, he died 40 years ago. Well, it's mean as a status to me that, just in one ear, straight out the other. I mean... Now, Amanda, in a way, she can become like a bit of a human EMF meter. And she has had remarkable results by picking up, sensing things. Proving it is difficult. Um, but apart from that, I don't attract anything. And in 31 years, apart from one little issue, I've never had a problem at home at all. Ever. So, because we, I mean, we, me and Ben debate this quite often of, you know the 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 idea of ghosts and what they are and do do things get a little bit confused with those kind of stories that it could be anything you know it could be something for a parallel universe or just a, a some kind of natural phenomenon or you know you talked earlier about stone tape theory all those things you know so it sounds like you're not convinced there are kind of ghosts roaming the earth there's something weird going on but you're not convinced that it's ghosts would that be fair to say um i'm convinced there's something paranormal that's occurring if it's a ghost or some form of entity is the big debate i've been physically pushed in a property in Somerset, which is the one that probably was a game changer for me because I couldn't find a rational explanation why this occurred. Um, but that could, because it was a, uh, being investigated as a poltergeist phenomenon, I, I am a believe that the poltergeist is a purely within ourselves. We have the ability to psycho, psychokinesis really, uh, of uh, changing the environment just on thought alone. It's, and a lot of evidence sort of supports and suggests that for fact. If you've got um, the other side of it, it's a spirit, you know, someone passes away. I think we can scientifically prove now that uh, consciousness can survive death. It would have to survive death for the process of the afterlife to occur anyway. Uh, so I think scientifically through the Higgs-Boltzmann uh, discovery that you can say, yeah, when a person uh, passes away, the consciousness, which is an energy form anyway, as Einstein said, you can't destroy energy, you can only transform or transfer it. It goes into some other form, whatever that is, and I think you're then into the realms of the, the, of the dimensions and so on and so forth. Because one of my specialties is past lives, uh, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. That also offers, I think, opportunities for you to look and investigate uh, the, the afterlife, because that's what we're talking about. You know, when it is, we 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 mention spirits as such. Um, I've just not got that categoric, hundred percent. I can nail my hat on. It's a, it's a, it's a spirit. It's, it strongly suggests that, but suggestive doesn't mean to say it happened. No. Well, That's very interesting. It is interesting because the thing that as soon as uh, something starts making sense, something else doesn't make sense because it makes perfect sense that a something that used to be a human would communicate in the same frequency band as its voice. So I can I can join the dots up on that. But a grandfather clock, as far as I'm aware, has never been conscious. 
um, or, or at least as we understand it. So that means that we have to reevaluate how we think about inanimate, well, supposedly inanimate objects as well, maybe. Yeah, the you know you you, you, you can we can look at these knocks and wraps that have been captured in Chester. There seems to be we just haven't got enough evidence to prove the, the theory is. Um, there seems to be a wrap or knock followed between 10 and 15 seconds by an event, either an EVP, a ball movement, that type of thing. Now, for that to occur, uh, the physics of it, um, I don't think it moves into quantum um, because I still think under the current science of physics, we've got rules that would start to explain that. Um, but it's where you go with it. Um, I think the science community itself could do a lot more than what it does do, rather than being the red line, it can't exist, so therefore I'm not following up and doing anything with it. The, you know, you only have to look at the twin, you know, when we spoke about the twin slot or twin slit experiment, where you see an atom, because of an observation, makes a constructive choice to react differently. Do you, do you understand what I'm referring to? Of course, we're quite, yes. We're quite obsessed with that experiment, aren't we? <laughs> oh, very much so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how does this occur? This is suggesting that a single monetary atom has some form of conscious thought mm. to be able to make that decision, because it's, it's a decision-making process. Just the, the observation, how does that change things? So, it, yeah, it's, it's a complex one, isn't it? And what is um, uh, what is the scariest or freakiest thing that you've ever captured yourself on tape or recording? We actually captured. <clears throat> it was in a dreadful place called uh, uh, the Drill Hall in Winsford in Cheshire. Um, we sort of got thrown into the wolves with this one because we went in to help a business. What they didn't tell us is that the reason why they asked us to go in in the first place uh, was a big bit missing, was that there'd been some satanic worshippers in there several times with Ouija boards and the likes. So when we walked in, within 30 minutes, I know we've got a problem. And even the owner was denying it. My colleague was in the centre of this room. Now, if if... I don't like the word, but I'll use it anyway because it's the only way you can describe it. A demon, yeah? I don't like the word. It just it doesn't fit right. But we're talking demons. And uh, people's perception of that will be like a little gremlin type of thing that runs around jumping on your shoulders and biting you, that type of thing. Well, with Andy Draper's in the middle room. Now, I'm using a full-spectrum camera, uh, an expensive Olympus. And the software kicks in to say it cannot focus. And I'm looking through this LED display and it looks like uh, like you're looking through glass, but there's water running on the outside of it. Really, really strange. I move the camera away, the camera immediately focuses. And I do this two or three times. And as I'm looking at this, and it's again, it's on the website, on a movie, this thing was about 30 foot in height, by 20 foot in width. It's like a huge dome over these people in the middle of the room. They felt nothing, but I can see this thing. I don't know what that was, but what I do know is shortly later it disappeared. And I'm like, well, what on earth? Is it? it can't be the camera. So it's some form like energy type. And considering what, what then happened with us later, each and every one of us suffered major nightmares i don't dream i don't ever remember dreaming i thought i do probably don't remember but i had this horrendous unusual uh nightmare and i spoke to a manager she had the same andy draper with the same we had degrees of character changing taking place so whatever was at work that day has to be some form of energy manipulating that type of thing and with the total ability of able to get into your subconscious where your dark fears and your, your memories lie. And it played havoc. And I think it took us all, it was about maybe 48, 
hours to get rid of this. People often refer them, call them a, a, an attachment. And because my two colleagues are exactly the same as me, very black and white, no areas of grey, we cannot explain what happened to us on that particular night. That was the most frightening thing I've ever experienced because the nightmare uh, was off scale. So thank you, Tony. That was amazing. Um, you've referenced a few times your investigation in Chester. Would you be generous enough to come back and join us and tell us in a full episode everything that you've discovered there? Absolutely, yeah. I'll keep you informed, Ben. I'm more than happy to come back. Yeah, no problem at all. It, and it's evolving daily. Thank you very much. And Brilliant. for the listeners at home, could you tell them where they can find your websites and find out more about you? Yeah, if you go to www.paranormalinvestigationuk.com, that'll take us also to the EVP website, which is a more tutorial. Uh, plenty of stuff to download from the Paranormal website. Also look up us on Facebook. Um, you'll find us on there. We don't do Twitter. We're not the social butterfly <laughs> of that. And, uh, and we'll put links to all that on our social media as well so people know where that, they can link from us if they if they come to us as well. So that's brilliant. Yeah. No problem at all. Glad to see him there. Yeah, I, I'm amazing, Ben. I, I mean, I'm... I'm quite fascinated by this this audio <laughs> phenomenon. Gen I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by audio anyway, but some of the stuff that, that came out... I, I tell you what especially struck me was I keep thinking about the fact that you can have a number of different devices recording at the same time, but only one will pick up. Because I think, you know, sceptics may kind of poo-poo something that's recorded on one device and say, you know, although Tony's very open about trying to analyse what it is, such as the example he said with the uh, the fox's scream and stuff. But yeah, you've got to scratch your head and say, if there's a voice, especially a voice, I think, if somebody says something and it gets recorded on one piece of equipment but doesn't get recorded on the other two, I, I can't quite see how that happens. No, I can't. It, it's one of those things where uh, it sort of half makes sense and as soon as you understand more about it, it begins to make less sense than it did when you thought you knew what it was in the first place, if you see what I mean. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really weird. So. <laughs> and the fact that objects make different noises when there is a poltergeist activity associated with them. Yeah. I think that's nuts. I first came across that the notion of that um Guy Playfair who I think is uh Guy Lion Playfair to give him his uh full title. He's uh he's not with us anymore but he was um the second investigator to join Morris Gross at the Enfield Poltergeist case. And more recently he had done some investigation into uh, poltergeist sounds and um, one of the sounds that is most commonly associated uh, with um, just pure poltergeist activity in buildings is the sound of uh, what sounds like marbles uh, dropping even when there are no marbles right. in the house and he had um, similarly done spectrum analysis on the sounds and discovered that the sounds of um the, the, the sound of marbles, even though there wasn't a marble dropping, but the sound that we think was a marble dropping uh, is very, very different to uh, the, the sound pattern of an actual marble dropping. And I remember in his research, he said that basically um, it's a reverse pattern. So when you would get, you, you would expect when you drop a marble, you get a big wave spike when the first noise hits. And then as right. it bounces a little, it goes down. Well, it does the opposite. In the right. in the sound of poltergeist, you get it builds up to a big noise, which makes like no sense whatsoever. And I, I have that it's almost like it's played backwards. Or right? It's yeah. Just, yeah. Exactly. It's not yeah. Even that. It's just a weird yeah. noise. No. No. It's exactly like it's it's um what they've done. It's uh what can I analogize it to? Uh, it's like uh the Phil Collins drum solo of in the air tonight which he famously played forward and then on the track plays backwards. That's the sound effect that you get with these marbles. Another wow. target reference there with Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I hear he's doing a track with Stormzy, though, so you're all right. Yes, he um, is, yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, fascinating, really fascinating, because, yeah, I'd I tell you what I think is a bit of a shame is, you know, we talked about the spirit boxes and we, you know, we've heard rumours, uh, lots of us have heard rumours of people working on haunted programs who, you know, the cameraman will just kick a chair when no one's looking and everybody freaks out. That kind of stuff yeah. goes on. Yeah. And it's almost like it seems a shame that what what Tony seems to be doing is kind of genuine research into this stuff and analysing it. And Because I kept thinking about his, his kind of fox thing that, you know, somebody had reported this scream and he'd analysed it and it was a fox from outside you know, some less scrupulous people might kind of forward that as, no, 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 it's paranormal activity and not go into that detail of trying to find out what, what the sound is. I think that's what struck me about him. He was he was willing to, well, a phrase we've used before, he's willing to kind of go through and sort the wheat from the chaff, effectively. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that makes it all the more curious that... Um, it's another one of those. It's impossible to fob up and say fob off and say it didn't happen, um, and it's also po- impossible to explain with any known mm. uh, sort of um, uh, the way that the way that logic normally works and physics normally works. It, it also makes no sense. I'm fascinated. I'm really looking forward to finding out more about this current investigation that's going on because it, it sounds like there's some a whole range of stuff going on there, not just EVP stuff, but visual stuff and, uh, you know, what what you'd kind of call classic kind of poltergeisty type stuff from from my brief look at it. But um, it'll be great to get him back on and talk about that whole investigation in more detail. I look forward to that. So we'll keep you posted of when that's going to happen. And, and also, if you've recorded an EVP or a suspected EVP... Um, do do send it to us in in uh, a comment uh, or reply to any of our social posts. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, brilliant. No, that's good. I enjoyed that. So um, we'll see you next time on the Quantum Mechanics. See you next time. Take care. Bye. the quantum mechanics